Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast, The EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. Hosts Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Liba, and producer Elvin Freites bring you the brightest and most influential minds in higher education today. We explore innovations, ideas, and issues in higher education and beyond, and hopefully have a little fun along the way. Now let's get to it. If you're experiencing any level of marketing challenge right now, you've got to ask the hard questions and you need answers. Are you using the right mix of channels to get in front of your future students? Is your messaging personalized and delivered in a medium your audience and future students will respond to? And are you spending more time building reporting than listening in on what your students really want? All of these questions will get answered when you sign up for your free consultation with MDT Marketing. Head to mdtmarketing.com slash edup, submit your information, and talk to MDT. Don't go it alone. Find the right partner. The guys at MDT, the team in MDT is absolutely amazing. Whether your challenge is the cost of inquiries, your melt, your branding, the bad and incomplete information that come with your inquiries, whatever it is, an audit of your challenges will help your institution and it's free. mdtmarketing.com slash edup. Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business, interviewing the brightest and most influential minds in higher education and beyond. We do have a little fun along the way, don't we, Liz? Yes, of course. Absolutely. We have plenty of fun. Absolutely. And by the way, this is this is uh, this is Joe Salustio here. If I if you don't know that. Dr. Joe Salustio. Stop it, Liz. Stop it. <laughs> um, you can call me Dr. Joe Salustio, but you can't call me sir, because then oh, I will really have more gray hair. I got to call you, sir. <laughs> no, you don't. You do You're that. my boss. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Um, I will tell you, Liz, um, you know, as we've discussed in previous episodes, you're also now influencing on a new app called Clubhouse for, for anybody Uh-oh. that hasn't experienced Clubhouse. Give, oh, us a, give us a quick rundown. What is Clubhouse, Liz? If anybody ever did chat rooms, like in the 90s, it's just like a bunch of different chat rooms. And you can go in and it's like voice basically so instead of you having like a forum where people are like typing what they're thinking it's like a panel or it's like a zoom but without the video basically so it's a big big conference call where people just talk about topics it's, it's super fascinating so it's it's interesting it's a new piece of social media t- uh, technology new app out there and the most interesting piece about it is that you start off with speakers on a stage right a, on a virtual right. stage right and then you can nominate others to come into the stage to give comments it's kind of like yes. taking somebody off of zoom mute right <laughs> and making it's them a, talk right and making them talk well it's really interesting and uh and if you if you're on clubhouse find liz find me find liz more she's got a lot more followers than i have um i really just follow liz but anyway no. <laughs> speaking of people we follow uh we Absolutely. have one here today his name on the line right now uh is and we're going to take him off mute by the way is dr carlos penalosa he is chancellor at leeward community college in the beautiful state of Hawaii. Carlos, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Do, doing uh, very well. Liz, how are you? Liz, she's not. Uh, oh, I muted you. Did I mute you like you do, do I to muted, me on Clubhouse? No, oh. I would never mute you. No, I took. I put myself on mute. You know, that's the new Zoom catchphrase. It's like, you're on mute, you're on mute. I'm doing wonderful. I'm excited to speak with Dr. Penalosa. I'm like super amped about this episode, so I can't wait. 
you know, uh, uh, Carlos, give us, uh, you know, uh, th- here's the thing. Hawaii is really interesting because you're sort of way off. If anybody doesn't know this, Hawaii is not connected to the lower 48 states. I, I don't know if we need to start there. Uh, but Hawaii is um, ha- has had spikes in COVID and then now is very much under control with COVID. Uh, you know, uh, I, obviously people from the United States want a vacation to Hawaii, so you have a lot of tourists. Uh, but you do have a lot of residents on the mainland, those looking for education, you're educating, uh, you know, uh, a number of students, and talk to us about how things have gone through the ebb and flow, as as Hawaii has seen its ups and downs uh, through the through the pandemic. You know, I, I, I think that COVID has shown us quite a bit locally. Um, but I think that eyes are on us as well. The University of Hawaii and the World Community College have been really intentional about the type of programming that we have um, and the culture at the campus level, uh, whether it's a distance learning or, or um, on-campus face-to-face traditional. Um, and you know, I've, I've, had a, I've had a trajectory in my academic uh, career and coming to Hawaii and seeing our emphasis on sustainability, agriculture, and uh, Hawaiian studies, Pacific Islander studies, um, is something that's a little bit unique that I haven't seen elsewhere. And I think that because of that, then eyes do come this way. I think that COVID has shown that we can't be too dependent on just one industry. Um, and we're noticing that here in Hawaii with COVID and our dependency on, on tourism. Um, and so we, we're exemplifying a lot of other programs to become a little bit more self-sufficient. And as a result of that, I think that more eyes are on us than they have been before. Um, which is why I think that we've seen um, not necessarily a decline in enrollment, we're flat or a little bit ahead. And that's really nice to see, especially when our colleagues on the continental US are generally experiencing some enrollment decline. And so I think the culture, the environment is very unique. Uh, living out here in, the, in, in an isolated environment on the islands um, can, can be a little bit different, but I think it's a huge plus. And as a result, you know, the management of COVID has been somewhat uh, reasonable. Um, and so we're, we're, still, we're still safe. And so we haven't gone into major lockdowns for a while, um, which makes it even more attractive to other students that, that really want to experience a college life. Have you experienced any students looking to transfer in or come to Hawaii for community college? I mean, you know, they're at least on the mainland here, as Hawaii has gotten the pandemic under control, I've talked to people just around me that have gone, we, we need to go to Hawaii. We need to go take a vacation to Hawaii because the pandemic's under control there. Wh- what about students? Are you seeing any level of interest from students just coming, wanting to come there to live and go to community college in Hawaii? So, so I, I think it's a little bit early. We have seen an increase in enrollment, um, especially at the university level. So for the community colleges, this is always uh, a little bit on the low side, uh, but for the university, there has been an incline. And I will say that some of it are folks that were originally from the islands that would go to the continental US for college. Uh, they may be staying back. But more recently, especially on the West Coast, we have seen an increase and uptick in our, um, in our enrollment trackers. Uh, and what I will say, because I'm a little bit distant from our enrollment management at Leeward, um, I personally have gotten an increase of inquiries from folks from not just the West Coast, but internationally as well. And it may be a result of our management of COVID in Hawaii. 
uh, but we are seeing a little bit of an increase in interest. Um, as, as for the increase in enrollment that we have, we see that a lot of them are local students. Um, and I just think it's a, an, an opportunity for, for folks that may be out of work or working from home uh, to just fine tune themselves and, and, and increase in their educational pipeline. Liz, you want to jump in here? I mean, I, it is Hawaii and, you know, it, it's, it's really interesting. That's just the interesting part of this is because you haven't had the same level of of disaster in some respects as we have in other states, California being one in particular. So, and Liz, I know you've had your challenges in Florida too. Yeah, we definitely have had challenges. We're a hot spot here in South Florida. We've definitely had a hard time getting the some of the cases under control. So I can really appreciate the fact that you've been able to navigate, um, Dr. Penelope, to navigate some of those challenges uh, yourself and, and been able to keep your students safe and and have seen that increase uh, as far as people inquiring about being in an environment where they might feel more comfortable. Tell, I'm just gonna pivot slightly to talk about the academics because I was really fascinated when I went to the website on the variety of programs that you offer at the community college level because on the, pro the podcast, we're constantly speaking with leaders at community college as well as four year. But particularly when we think about community college, we know post COVID there is going to be more of maybe a focus on upskilling, reskilling, how do we bring more of the practical uh, design in terms of the programs that we're offering, uh, the curriculum that we're offering, making it more workforce ready and, and ensuring that students that have been, and just people in general that have been displaced by COVID are served better. And I really loved that you guys have programs that I've never seen before. Like you have like your, um, the, the forensic anthropology, or you have your integrated industrial technology, you have your sustainable agriculture. Some of these programs, even substance abuse counseling, I think is one that we don't see that much in some of the community college environments. Can you tell us what informs what programs you bring and, and what some of the response has been from students and, and, and what some of your expectations are as far as uh, moving forward with your program selection and offerings? Absolutely. I, I will share with you that, that the state of Hawaii is actually pretty uh, advanced in its philosophical approach. And the, the reason that I say that is because the state of Hawaii has made commitments in, term, in terms of sustainability. Um, and so, you know, moving to Hawaii, I, I learned that the, the urgency and need to go solar uh, the urgency and need to go into more sustainable agriculture. And it's because, you know, lessons learned, uh, island life. Um, and so because of legislative approach and because of community wants and needs, the programs are informed from those avenues. And so because we're publicly funded, the, legislation, the, the legislators do have an opportunity to help inform where we go. But then keeping an eye on workforce development, our, industri uh, our industrial technology program, for instance, came about at a time where the island of Oahu was establishing its rail system. It's still under development, but the program was informed uh, based on a workforce that was coming about in that area. Um, like that, most of our programs are informed by a heavy core workforce demand as well as community needs. Um, our sustainable agriculture is growing and it's um, is actually moving into different areas. For example, something that you may not find on our website is that Leeward is currently in the development of a product development center. 
Um, and so that's going to be another satellite location for Leeward where the community and students are going to be able to take some of the basic uh, crops that are, that, that, that are produced here in Hawaii, but then develop other materials from it. So rather than simply some producing fruits for the sake of fruit, maybe developing some other uh, products from it. And so creating the curriculum, creating the demand to work with the community and developing these is really core for us. Um, we do get a lot of our materials from, you know, the mainland and from uh, even internationally. Um, so to become a little bit more self-sustainable, we got to look at other opportunities. The biggest industry in Hawaii has typically been, you know, the army and, um, and, and, and tourism. Um, and COVID really showed us that we can't rely on tourism as much as we have in the past. And so now the university is pivoting. We are pushing a little bit more on the areas that are going to help develop our economy. Um, and so Leeward's been part of that leading effort. Uh, interestingly, our Wahiwa Product Development Center, which is currently under construction, came about just before COVID. We, we decided on moving in that direction before COVID, and COVID just exemplified the need for it. Um, and then most recently, as I suggested, in terms of programmatic needs and then how the state of Hawaii has made major commitments to sustainability, Leeward became the first University of Hawaii campus that became, became net zero in terms of producing our own electricity. Uh, and so we recently established some canopies over our parking lots, which threw us over the threshold. Um, and so those are, those are the things that I feel the community connects with in terms of what the university's role is, what the community college's role is. Um, and the last bit that I will share is when COVID came about as community colleges, because we do um, work with a, a, a certain student profile, uh, a lot of our offerings were not necessarily online. So that pivot to online was pretty interesting. Uh, but what we did was that we did infuse some investments, especially in the workforce areas on the credit and non-credit side to help support the local economy. And so we've gone through grants that the state has provided as well as federal dollars to help retrain those people that may have found themselves out of a job, especially if they were impacted and they were maybe in the hospitality industry. And so we've seen some great stories from people that were maybe in the hospitality, hospitality industry and that are now CDL truck drivers making even more than they were before. And so we just you know, feed on that and grow in, uh, to, to that extent. And so a lot of workforce demand needs um, as well as community uh, want is what informs where we go programmatically. By the way, congratulations, Carlos, on net zero energy. That's pretty incredible to have accomplished that. I mean, I, that's a big deal for sustainability. I think everybody's moving towards achieving that uh, and being self-sustainable. So congratulations. How it, does, it, yeah, it's big, right? I mean, that's big news for you guys. It, it's, it's gigantic. And the sad thing about it is that I haven't been able to celebrate it in big because it, you know, we went live during COVID. <laughs> Of course. Well, there's a celebration coming then, right? It should That's be, right. That's be right. Able, something to celebrate. You can't can't let that go because of how significant it is. I mean, we all talk about that, right? I think every institution 
university, business, you know, anybody that's got sustainability on their brain is trying to get to a level of net zero energy and, uh, and to accomplish it is, is uh, significant. So um, what about jobs on the island? You know, you're, you're educating thousands of people. What's the economy on the island look like? Are you just have exporting? Are you exporting students at some level because there are more, you know, what's the supply and demand look like for, for jobs? Yeah, so, so we, we really have focused incredibly on local needs. Uh, the, the, the public system here, our focus are to supply the demand locally. The universities within Hawaii, the, the, the four-year institutions have a little bit more breadth and scope that may go into you know, exporting uh, the, the students. But at the community colleges, we really are focused. Um, and so when it looked, when we were looking at workforce demand pre-COVID, there were a couple of areas that you could see that were really glowing. For instance, education. Uh, the Department of Education has had huge demand for teachers. Um, the Department of Education typically did recruit from outside because the universities weren't producing enough teachers. And so that's one of the areas where we emphasize a great deal. Our, our education program is pretty big here at Leeward. Um, and, and what's important too is that knowing the, the breakdown of the islands as well as the local environments, we'll find that you know, in some of our higher need regions and locations, once people are educated, they tend to leave. Um, and so we've been putting a lot of effort in trying to educate people within their communities to stay in their communities in these workforce demand areas. I will say that the creative media industry has also been relatively big here in Hawaii. Uh, we, we do offer quite a bit of beauty and nature for, for movie sake um, and, and TV industry. And so typically folks would bring in all of their uh, technicians and whatnot from the mainland. And so we've been developing a lot of those, um, a, a lot of those, the skill set uh, so that we have it locally. Um, continuing within workforce demand, uh, the hospitality industry was at a, at a, you know, at a pretty high peak. The, the state of Hawaii was doing really well. Um, and we wanna say that there'll be a rebound and so more folks are going to need to end up going to hospitality. Um, and so some of our bigger programs are within that area. We have a, a very nice culinary program here. Um, and those are all aligned with jobs that exist. Uh, one of the challenges that the state of Hawaii does face, though, is that the cost of living is relatively high. And so if, if we're looking for real high wage industries, you would have to go into the more technical areas um, for instance, our industrial uh, technology program uh, would result in pretty good wages. Um, and so, you know, we, we focus in that, in that avenue. Uh, unemployment is pretty high right now for the state of Hawaii, but again, that's because of our, our dependency on hospitality. So we are projecting a pretty nice um, rebound. But in terms of refocusing industry, we continue to look at the workforce trends um, and, and we align our programming that way. Talk to me a little bit about the uh, population on the island. I think, you know, I don't know what everybody thinks, but I'm guessing that, that there are some out there that think, no, there's island Hawaii. There's so many tourists coming in there. There's so much money flowing through. There can't be any uh, anybody from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, and there's no 
people in, in you know, in, in poor, for lack of a better way to say it. You have a local Samoan population, I, I believe. You know, talk right. about accessibility and talk about the real, are there underserved? And are you able to create access for underserved populations? You know, because I think when you're off the island of Hawaii, everybody looks at it like it's just all tourists there. There's nobody that lives there that's in poverty. And I know that's not true. Yeah, no. So actually, absolutely. There, there is very, um, you know, I, I would say, uh, for the, the poor community, um, the, the needy community, the high risk student profile for the community colleges do exist. And what I will say is that, yes, you know, I, I, I did come here on vacation years before my appointment as chancellor. And you would typically not, if not see or think that there is poverty around. But once you get to the islands and you start driving around, you'll start noticing it. Uh, there's there's a lot of multi-generational living just to cope with the expense of living in Hawaii. And so what you'll find is that within the Native Hawaiian population, the Pacific Islanders, uh, the Asian community, uh, you have two and three, maybe even four generations living, at, living in a household uh, to cover their expenses. And so when it comes to our outreach and work with these communities, honestly, the best way to do it is to have a site um, that can support that community more directly. Uh, Leeward Community College actually has a, a small satellite location on the Waianae coast, which is the west coast of Oahu. Um, and the reason that that becomes important in terms of accessibility, like you mentioned, um, is that tra traffic is a, a total uh, nightmare on the island of Oahu. And so, for example, if I were to drive from my campus, which is in Pearl City to Waikiki during rush hour, I could probably average one and a half hours to two hours one way. And that's only, I, I would say, just under 20 miles in terms of distance. Um, and so, you know, the, with accessibility being a concern, it becomes critical to have locations where students don't have to navigate and go too far, which is, which is what drove the need for the rail in its development. But we do have our satellite location on the West Coast and we are putting our product development center on, the, on, on central Oahu. And that's again, because accessibility is so critical. In terms of Pell uh, or rather financial aid eligibility, just to give you an idea of, of the financial situation of the local folks, um, we, we don't have an incredibly high Pell count but that's because of access to documentation that's required for the federal uh, FAFSA application. Uh, but but there, there is a great deal of poverty, house, home insecurity, food insecurity. Uh, like on the West Coast, there is homelessness. Um, and it's just a matter of navigating through the real island where you could, find, you could actually see uh, what's going on. And so what I keep sharing here in terms of vision and mission is that we really do need to get to students where the students need us as opposed to hope that they come to us. Um, and so that's just creating more accessibility and COVID has demonstrated how inaccessible education can be. Um, and so yeah, access in terms of finances, access in terms of know-how and access in terms of just re, uh, you know geography are all major uh, concerns. In terms of the general population, you know, Leeward's population is close to 29% Native Hawaiian. Um, and, and then our next largest population is the Filipino community. 
Um, and so when you put together all of the Asian communities into one major category, we probably get to about 70%. And so we have a very diverse population here at Leeward, and that's pretty much reflected out in the community. Whether you're pacing short for your start goals or your summer melt needs a cool down, your challenges can be overcome with the right partner. In collaboration with the EdUp Experience, our sponsors, MDT Marketing, are offering a free marketing consultation. Head to www.mdtmarketing.com edup and start your free consultation. It's direction for your unique situation that will help you ramp up your marketing and enrollment efforts, and it's all for free. Head to www.mdtmarketing.com slash edup. Yeah, I don't know about you, Liz, but when, you know, we talk about access and, and you know, helping underserved populations, I, I don't typically think of Hawaii, and that's probably my fault, but I, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, we just don't think of it that way, but truly there are a, a great number of people in need on the island. And yeah, this is a very good question and a very good uh, observation. And I think that it's interesting how our perceptions are shaped, right? By media, by narratives and, and what we think and, and what our perception is of underserved or what our perceptions are of access. Uh, can you speak a little bit, uh, Dr. Penalosa, to what support mechanisms, we, we, we like to talk about what schools are doing and, and what you're doing well and things that you've rolled out, maybe innovations and things that you've said, oh, we, we did this, this worked really well for our students because it helps other schools that may be struggling or trying to wrap their mind around how they can best serve the students' needs. What are some of the things that you're doing there to support these students? You talked about the different issues in terms of um, the, the households and, and maybe the affordability and things of that of nature on the island. How do you best support the students and, and what are some of the things that you're doing there to help the students be more successful on campus? Sure, we, we have quite a few programs actually that help cultivate interest and then wrap around support for, for our, our, um, our special populations. I will say that what's, what's really critical is going out to the community and having a presence. Um, and so we've done that by partnering with major community sites where we do, um, you know, offer some opportunities for potential students and current students. But I think that one of the biggest lifelines that we throw out there is really our work on the dual enrollment side of the house, our dual credit side. So uh, Leeward actually works with 14 different high schools just within our region in trying to get high school students motivated, interested, and committed to, to, to working on their education. We know that that has been a, a major lifeline at connecting with these communities and getting them you know, onto the, uh, the, the higher ed pipeline. Um, but like that, we have a couple of programs that, that infuse culture and infuse uh, the, the, the academic uh, the academic work in terms of wraparound support services. And so whether that means, you know, involving uh, families a little bit more in what we do than we would typically on the, on, in the continental uh, US, um, these, are, these are practices that have really been uh, quite uh, successful. And so something that I will say about communities like our native Hawaiian population, as well as our Pacific Islanders and Filipinos, is that there is a huge tendency for being in a, in a, in a, in a familiar environment, uh, very tight niche families, again, multi-generational. And so to get to a student to commit 
to coming to higher ed instead of maybe getting a job to support their families can be quite difficult. And so we have to find that balance, whether it's finding major financial resources to cover their cost for attendance or working with opportunities where they have apprenticeship style opportunities where they're coming through the educational pipeline while getting some money or even employing them on campus has been a major contributor to us having um, this large population on, on, on our Leeward campus. And so in terms of wraparound services, it's intensive advising. And, and what we realize is that we don't have the resources necessarily to have uh, the same level of, um, of, of wraparound service for every student, but we do identify within certain uh, populations and then we, we learn from our practices and refine them. And so we'll have, for instance, our, 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 our Native Hawaiian Center, which is dedicated to creating that culture and environment where these students thrive. Uh, we have other, other communities like that, like in our Waianae Moku. It's a, it, it's a satellite location where if you walk into it, the, the environment is so much more familial, more, a lot more friendly. Um, and so it just lends itself to working within these communities. But the key components are accessibility. Leeward has been leading for, for the state in terms of online learning, even pre-COVID, a, a little over a quarter of our students were fully online students. Having satellite locations at the right places is important working on the financial barrier. So whether it's financial aid or other resources, we find them for our students and then getting to them as early as we can through early college and other mechanisms so that we establish those pipelines. And the new one that we're trying to build out of is, you know, family enrollment. So, you know, trying to get uh, siblings and or even multiple generations coming and signing up for college because they thrive more as a family and everyone can benefit from the education. So these are some areas um, where, where, where we actually have done quite well. And then the last bit is really, we're, we're, we're really connected to the culture and environment here. And so simply by having our community reach when it comes to um, you know, our sustainable efforts, as well as our community service, Leeward has served as major sites for COVID testing. We have served as vaccination site for COVID. Uh, food drives, all of this through the COVID uh, timeframe. And prior to that, we were always part of it as well. Uh, but just to say, just being there, being present um, and having a presence where the students and the communities are, 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 are seeing us, it's just really important for, for what we've been doing. I love everything that you mentioned because it speaks so much to the idea of supporting students from different backgrounds. And the fact that you're looking at how to get into the community, how to provide support services. So as a community college, you're part of the community and you're giving all these services. So someone is familiar with the community college. It doesn't seem like it's something up on the hill that has nothing to do with them and incorporating the family and providing an environment that reflects what the student that comes from a different background will see in the college. I think that speaks so much to what we should be modeling throughout higher education is not trying to have a cookie cutter or one size fits all standard and asking the student to fit into that, but rather figuring out, well, what does the student need to be successful and adapting our environment to that? What do you think about that, Joe? Because it's, it's literally, this is a primer in how to really be an environment that's inclusive of all students. I love what I just heard right now. Yeah, I think it's exactly on point. 
I, you know, a good, a good part about what's been happening too is, is I don't want to say it's exclusive because it's not, but, but it's harder for some students to access services. It's, you know, harder for some students to learn, uh, you know, online and harder for some to learn on ground and is on ground. So everything that's been happening, it's not, been perfect for everyone. There's been some level of disruption. So any level of inclusion, any level of service, wraparound services in general are important because it, it, it's beginning to end, right, Carlos? I mean, it's, we've got, not only do you have to recruit and, and retain and hold and, and help with job placement. So wraparound services uh, and access are just really important concepts. And something that I, Liz and I talk about all the time. Let me ask you this, because I think this has been an important question for us as we've asked uh, our guests, and we talk about the value of higher education, Carlos. We have had, oh, a myriad of guests on, some from technology, some from other industries. And there's a, you know, there's a growing thought out there that uh, higher education isn't as valuable as it used to be, that the return on investment is not there. How does, how do the folks um, on the, on the Island of Hawaii, those that you're looking to service the, the adult students or the parents of, of the kids coming to a community college see that, is that something you have to overcome on the Island of, of the, it's worth investing in college? You know, it's an interesting question because I've lived this in different, in different places. <laughs> Um, and, and what I can say is that the community, the community and the population that we serve don't question our value. Um, however, in during, you know, budgetary crisis, we have to make some, some difficult decisions at times. And so the first things that come to question are the typical general education so that we focus more on workforce development, right? And so ensuring that there is value to the education and that's, that's always been quite questionable because the general education has its place. I think that what has happened over the years is maybe a little bit of misuse of, of, of resources. Uh, but I think that, that there's absolute value in all of the aisles of education. Um, I will say that for, for, in my case, I came through a liberal arts um, program personally, and I find the value of it in my current role. Um, and so I will defend the arts and the humanities and I will defend the sciences and so on. Uh, right now, we just really face uh, reduced, uh, reduced resources and a need to supply demand in terms of workforce. And so I don't know that the local community is, is um, really concerned about value. In fact, when we do things like build out our Hawaiian studies or our Pacific Islander studies or our or our sustainable agriculture areas, which typically don't directly align to a workforce that's well compensated, those programs are still very much uh, supported. And not only that, but there is a great deal of community support and outreach to continuing this type of program for the university. And so I don't, I don't think that I have been put a question uh, here in Hawaii as I have been in other parts of the country. Uh, where there is, there are concerns about the value of, of education, at the very least, some of the, uh, the lanes um, of, of education. Do you think, Dr. Penelos, I just have a really good question as Joe breaks it up, it, it brings up a, a curious point for me. Do you think that as a first generation student myself, do you think that the question 
and this is just philosophical, so I don't really know if this really has a, a point per se in terms of what we're talking about, but do you think that the question of college education not being valuable is not as much of a question because a lot of the students are first generation students, maybe because the parents didn't necessarily go to college. Because I found for me, my my parents, it, it wasn't a question of if I was going to go to college. There was, like you said, that generational thing of, oh, we'd love for you to just be here with us. It was more like community college versus going away to the state school. But do you think that because maybe some of these students, maybe first generation students, that the, the, the parents do see the value, even aside from the point that they might want this, the parent, the students to kind of be a part of the, the multi-generational and just stay within the household because that's just cultural. But do you think that they do kind of push college because of the fact that they maybe haven't gone to college themselves? I, I think so to some extent. In fact, something that I'm learning from the local community here is that they want to educate themselves so that they can support their immediate family. And that always, not, not necessarily um, on the financial side, but just from the general aspect of education. So I do think that maybe because of the demographic of the population, the value of education hasn't been put in question. I think that everyone does want to get to education. I think that the challenge that we have is that many don't think that they're college bound. Uh, but but I think that for by and large the community has pretty high regards for education, especially at the community colleges, where you get to become a lot you know you know you get to become a round student, you get to become someone that that that's you know versatile and able to uh, you know go into different fields, and we also have the workforce side, so there's a lot of support for the community colleges. But also again, when I have my my focus groups with students. I learn a lot that they are educating themselves so that they could help their children and so that they could educate their families, which is really, really key here. And, and I haven't really seen that uh, in many other places. And I love that distinction that you made. Thank you so much for sharing that, that it's not that they don't value education, it's that they don't think, they don't necessarily feel like they are college bound, which is really something important for us to think about in higher education. I think when we're, we're looking at outreach and we're looking at serving the students is a lot of this is their perception of what it means to be college bound or, or their expectation of themselves or maybe the successes that they've had in their K through 12 and, and them maybe not understanding that they can be successful at the college level, right? That, 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 that's right. I, I, I think that that's really critical. I've seen that everywhere, but, but more so here. I think that there is a level of fear with higher education that shouldn't be there. Um, and then to add to it, we typically, you know, unintentionally, we, we set out barriers that reinforce that, that, that feel, that feeling from the communities, right? So, we, we put out these pretty difficult applications to put together and we ask them to get together documents that probably don't even exist within their families. Um, and so the minute that they stumble into something like that, that's the minute that they feel, okay, this is not for me at the, at the very least now. And exactly. so if we could just focus a little bit more in reducing some of those barriers and outreach and connecting with them in a nurturing way, they are college bound. It's just that truth be told, and I don't know how many of of us do this frequently, I tend to secret shop every now and then and go into our applications and all of that to see how difficult it is. And as a higher ed administrator that's been around for a while, it still is pretty difficult for me to answer some questions. Like for instance, what ethnicity are you, right? And so, so sometimes you just don't see the right option from the drop-down menu and you get stuck. 
And, and that may very well be what prevents you from moving forward. Exactly. Thank you so much for highlighting that. That's very, very important. By the way, what a horrible feeling that must be, right? I, as somebody that probably will never have to experience that, right? Because um, right. I'm a white dude sitting over here. Uh, to, to have your uh, 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 your ethnicity not listed in a drop down, boy, we that's something that we have to solve. That is unreal. And, and, and then that moment the feeling impact. that you yeah. maybe I don't belong here. I don't see myself here. So maybe this is a self-fulfilling prophecy that this is not where I, I belong. That's not really... even I don't see myself here, but I don't see myself, period, yes. on the list. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Exactly. Well, Carlos, this has been amazing. And we've got two final questions for you that we ask every guest. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Just want to tell you that uh, again, because we know how busy you are. Uh, but uh, these are uh, one really easy question, which you should be able to take no problem, and then one a little bit harder. Uh, first is, can you tell us what you think the future of higher education is going to look like? That's the easy one. The sure. hard one, is there anything? No, that's they're actually reversed. The, the easy one is, is there anything that we missed about Leeward Community College? Anything that you want to tell us about what's going on? Any initiatives you have planned? Uh, any any plans for the future that we uh, or anybody needs to know about? It's, it's your chance to really plug your university and tell us what's going on. Sure thing. So I guess for the first one, what higher ed looks like in the future, and this is in line with the second question, which is some of the initiatives that were you know, more or less targeting. I, I, I will say that the environment is changing. I think that it, that um, for the community colleges that haven't had a major presence in, 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 in distance learning, I don't think that that's gonna go away. I think that we have pushed our faculty and staff over a threshold of fear so that they're gonna embrace the technology a little bit more. But then I'm also seeing the next generation from, uh, from K-12 that has experienced a much more virtual environment. Um, and that's gonna carry on for quite a little bit. And so they're gonna be a little bit well, uh, better versed in the online world. Um, and so I think that we're gonna find ourselves doing more at distance, um, but at the same time, it, had also, it has also allowed us to reflect on some areas that we've imposed our own barriers for students. And so we are reassessing what we do. You know, for instance, um, during this COVID period, Leeward put together our Welcome Center, which many colleges and universities have put together. It, it's just taken a little bit of time for us, but a one-stop shop for all wraparound services for our students is really key. Uh, we were finding that students would get lost on our campus and not get to the next resource. And so we've been reflecting a lot. We've been looking at our application. We've been looking at our uh, onboarding process. We've been looking at our general uh, uh, enrollment pipeline, you know, for students that are completing one semester and registering for the next. We're looking at all of those barriers. And so I think that we're going to become a little bit more reliant on some, uh, on some services and technologies that make that experience a little bit smoother for the students. Uh, but I think that we have to remain uh, clear within our mission. We're serving a student profile, or at the very least, we, we hope or aspire to serve the students that would typically think that they are not college bound. And so the outreach is going to shift a little bit. I think that we're going to continue supporting the traditional students that we have, but we're going to refocus on those student populations that, that desperately need us. 
So I see that as the as the evolution of, of higher ed at the very least here at Leeward as a result of COVID. It's pushing us more online, much more accessibility. I think that programs that were previously offered only in a traditional face-to-face -face way are gonna become more hybrid or more accessible, which is really key. You know, our education program here on Oahu serves all of the islands. It's not just for Oahu. And so we need to find better ways of connecting and providing those wraparound services wherever the students are. So those are where some of our strategies are going. Assessing our, 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 where our students are going, how they're managing, and then building out those wraparound services. I'll tell you something that's not gonna go away. We're not gonna um, stop lending out hotspots for students because we now know that that's been a major burden for our students' internet access. Uh, technology, we're not gonna stop uh, lending out laptops. That's really important for our students. It provides a means of access. And what we're finding is that we need to find ways of addressing what our non-traditional students struggle with which is um, you know, moving around the islands in terms of transportation and then childcare. Those two are some of the biggest barriers that our students are facing. And so those are where we are putting a lot of effort and emphasis in ensuring that Leeward is continuing to serve our communities. Now, in terms of what I would say that we may have missed about Leeward is really our mission, mission's focus on, on the immediate needs for our local communities. I think that agriculture is gonna, is gonna boom here in Hawaii. And I think that we're at the forefront of this. We're putting together our product development center as our new site for this. And hopefully the rest of the world can begin to experience some of the products that only the locals in Hawaii take advantage of. You know, when I vacationed here in the past, I didn't realize how good something like passion fruit butter is. I never, I, I've never heard of that before, right? So I come here and I'm like, okay, we have some secrets that maybe we should continue to develop and exploit. That sounds and, yummy. Yeah, really. Oh my does. God, it is. I've become addicted <laughs> to something that I, that I didn't even know existed. Sounds um, delicious. <laughs> and so I would say that th th those are some of the things that are really critical. We're here for the community and we'll continue building out for our community. Well, this has been an amazing episode, Carlos. We thank you so much for your time. Um, we uh, really thank you for what you're doing uh, on the island of Hawaii. I know I can speak for Liz when I say that uh, that anybody that's creating access to education, we're yes. super, we're your we're fans of you and, and the work that you're doing. So thank you, and uh, you know it's just been a real pleasure. And uh, and uh, we hope to talk to you soon. This has been Dr. Carlos Penalosa. He's Chancellor of Leeward Community College. Carlos, thank you. Thank you and mahalo, everyone. Hey everybody, we hope you enjoyed that episode of the Edup Experience. To learn more about the Edup Experience, please visit our website at www.edupexperience.com and subscribe to our email list. Please share this podcast, head over to Apple, and please give us a rating and review. We appreciate your feedback. And of course, subscribe to the Edup Experience so you're notified when our episodes drop. Here at the Edup Experience, our goal is to make education your business. Thanks for listening.